Welcome to Getting Melfi with Mark and Meg, a podcast where we talk all things taboo from self-care to sex work. Get ready to be comfortable with all things uncomfortable. Now let's get Melfi. Hey guys, welcome back to Getting Melfi with Mark and Meg. Today we are so stoked. We have our first guest on the podcast. Um, we have Carrie Isham with us here today. Uh, she's a sexual health educator on Vancouver Island, and we are stoked to get her to answer all of our questions. Yeah, for sure. Uh-huh. So, I don't know, Carrie, if you just want to tell us a little bit about your background or like where you're, yeah, where you're sure. coming from. Or... Sure. And thanks for having me. Super excited. We're excited as um, well. I started my teaching career in 1996 in Parksville, Qualicum. I packed up all my stuff from Ottawa and moved to Vancouver Island. Um, we had a big garage sale in front of our house and because <laughs> uh, we were told there was no teaching jobs out there for four or five years. So I taught from 1996 um, until 2010 in Parksville Qualicum and I taught everything from phys ed to drama to technology which is pretty funny um grade six seven and eight for 13 years and then my last year of teaching um i was able to teach two grade eight classes the health and career education at the time and so term two they got 14 hours of sexual health education and what i really noticed was nobody was ever away Nobody was ever late for my class and my students were super engaged so much so that I really felt that that grouping of kids was really ready for high school was grade eight to grade nine Mm -hmm. transition. And so I decided that even though I love teaching the sexual health within the PE program um, at Springwood Middle School, that it was really important for me to go go broader than that. Mm -hmm. Um, Having... 300 kids have the sex ed was not enough for me. So I decided to go back to school. I got my certification in sexual health education through Options for Sexual Health in Vancouver. And then I took the leap of faith and walked away from a full-time continuing job with (laughs) 100 sick days and a full pension to leap into the entrepreneurial world. And uh, this is my 10th year. Wow. So it's, it's, it's been a really good switch for me. Mm -hmm. wow that's awesome yeah that's great (laughs) um so where did your passion about sexual health is that kind of where it came from was that those classes yeah I just noticed you know I thought to myself well there's not a lot of people like me doing this and I didn't really ever see myself as a sexual health educator Mm -hmm. um I followed the curriculum to a T because I'm a type A personality so I had my (laughs) highlighter every time I you know completed you know an objective or whatever and So it just, the enthusiasm from the kids, because as the education system has changed, we don't see the passion necessarily um, that we have in the past because our teaching modalities are not reaching kids. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I noticed that in the PE department, it was kind of me trying to motivate the unmotivatable. Like Mm -hmm. some of the kids were really athletic. And and then I thought, well, if I could do sexual health full time and I have like almost 100% buy-in and I could do that every single day and get paid to do it, Mm -hmm. then I'm going to take this leap. And of course, I mean, I didn't get the sexual health education that I needed growing up and made some choices (laughs) that I probably, you know, would have been different if I had more information. Mm -hmm. And even though my mom was pretty 
pretty good about giving books and things like that. Definitely yeah. when I asked her questions, she's like, oh, that's, you know, too much information. And so mm-hmm. I just wanted kids to have access to somebody on a regular basis, yeah. year after year, sure, yeah. and mentoring teachers in the process. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so important to have, like, uh, that familiar face. Like, yeah. you're that familiar face. Kids recognize you, can go to you. Like, And it's really you. hard to ask your homeroom teacher yeah. questions about vaginal discharge and your period yeah, and wet yeah. dreams and things like that because mm-hmm. they know your handwriting they know your printing exactly. and someone like me I come in mm-hmm. I'm there usually for a week or two teach them two or three classes and the, but they know I'm coming back year after year so mm-hmm. the excitement yeah. is building there's definitely a buzz in the school mm-hmm. when I'm in there and uh, the kids ask me anything because they know this is the lady mm-hmm. that talks about penises and vulvas yeah, yeah. So. um yeah like I'm Margaret and I just did a past episode on like kind of where like what our definitions of sex are and like what what our thoughts on sex are and whatnot and we got into just kind of like our background of sexual education in that episode and I come from a very very small town in in Manitoba a very rural small town and the sexual education that I got was like grade five six and it was my teacher talking about pads tampons periods penetration like how you get pregnant and then we had to sit there and say penis and vagina until nobody would laugh at saying it and that was like the sexual education that I received and then in high school I think I had our gym teacher and a nurse practitioner from town like come in and like talk about STIs a little bit and like condom use and it was like for maybe half an hour during the day and that was it until you had come and um I had a class with you in criminology and I think my first year with Joanne was was a teacher there and I think that was like probably the most sexual education I had received until my first year of university Mm -hmm. which blows my mind Mm -hmm. so yeah just it's crazy that there's I feel like a lack of it especially in rural communities and stuff too well it's I mean my whole philosophy is that access to up-to-date accurate sexual health education is a human right yeah yeah we need to understand how our bodies work we need to understand intimacy we need to understand what sexuality is we Mm -hmm. need to understand the risks but we also need to know like the pleasure aspect Mm -hmm. of it and that is definitely downplayed in the Mm -hmm. sexual health classes that some people receive yeah we said that a lot especially in our last episode just like sexual education they cover like penetration is how you get pregnant there's no talk about like how you can experience pleasure through sex whatsoever or Mm -hmm. how you can experience like self-pleasure through sexual exploration or any of that so Mm -hmm. there's just like a huge lack of that my students know i'm a huge advocate of masturbation (laughs) i actually yeah i um you and I had talked on Facebook a little bit last year. I had sent you an essay on female. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> that's me. It's all coming together yeah. now. Okay, So, yeah, great. I had written an essay on that. Um, so, like, I'm very, very big advocate for that as well. I have mm-hmm. very, very strong beliefs and, like, the, the benefits and the components that you can get from masturbation. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. So, with that all being said, why do you think sexual health and education and sex remain such a taboo topic and why don't people want to talk about it like you say people want to show up to your classes and there's no absence rates in your classes but and everyone wants to talk about it but then also nobody talks about it I think you know it this is about early education right Mm -hmm. if we can and this is kind of my main focus right now is sexual abuse prevention for the little people give them as much information as they can educate their parents and teachers at ECE I think the thing is, if we talk to little people about this from the get-go, 
then there wouldn't be the embarrassment and stigma and shame attached to our bodies and things like that. And so that for me is the key. We, yes, focus on abuse prevention for little people, but also let them know that their bodies like are pleasure-based. And if they mm -hmm. touch their genitals, it feels good. And to give them the information around private and public places and, and encourage them to explore their bodies, but in a safe, safe way. I think childhood trauma really um, stops people from being able to talk about this, to explore yeah. it. And with the statistics being what they are, there's one in four girls and one in six boys before their 18th birthday will experience some sort of unwanted sexual harm. And so I think the magnitude of the problem, especially around sexual abuse and exploitation is so huge that people don't even want to touch it. Mm -hmm. And this is something that I deal with every single day. Uh, people are embarrassed because their parents never talked to them about it and they're somehow supposed to miraculously know how to talk to their kids about it when they haven't, you know, it's the same thing with hygiene or nutrition. If you don't know about it, you can't pass the information down to your kids. So my piece is all about the prevention. I do mostly intervention in my work, but how can we prevent harm for people so that mm -hmm. people can value their body, have bodily autonomy, and feel like their body actually does belong to them? Because mm -hmm. we say that to kids, and I know some of my students would be like, no, that's not true, because my uncle, my aunt, my grandmother, my cousin have mm -hmm. all had access to my body, so my body actually isn't mine. Yeah, so how do we define sexual harm? Is it... Um does it have to be physical contact? Can it be like catcalling? Like how we, how do you define that? Yeah. So it wasn't specifically talking about sexual harassment. Sexual harassment mm -hmm. is a whole nother level yeah, of, yeah. you know, abuse that starts from, you know, basically anytime anyone's entering puberty, right? They're yeah. hearing things and mm -hmm. people are making comments about their body development and things like that. So sexual harm, I meant like unwanted touch. Oh, okay. So yeah. I wonder what this just is the statistics are on sexual harassment you know what um i don't know because yeah. it's so rampant i don't know if there's if you know if you said out of 10 10 women how many mm -hmm. people have been you know harassed i would say 10 yeah i mean yeah. it's it's so commonplace and Pornography is not helping either with the, you know, I see that, I want that, I take that, mm -hmm. I do that, I can, you know, do whatever I want. So mm -hmm. I think, yeah, the main thing is it's that when something seems so enormous, yeah. we likely are to push it underneath the rug because yeah. it's like, well, what can, what can I do? Recently mm -hmm. in the paper, um, so in the last couple of years, the incidence of child pornography, people caught in Nanaimo has gone up four times. Oh, wow. But so what the paper did, and a lot of the people that follow me are pretty furious about that because they, they say, well, this is happening. And then they do not contact someone like me or another mm -hmm. professional and say, okay, well, this is happening. So then what do we do? Yeah. So everybody's like all like worried and, and frantic about protecting their child, but then there's no, well, this is what you can do to yeah. help the problem. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, so maybe that's a good time to talk about then how do you think the internet is changing? And like the porn culture is changing, sex education and just sexual, sexual health, health yeah. generally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, oh gosh, how long <laughs> do you have? Um, okay, so pornography for me, uh, once you are over eighteen, I believe that you have you know the mental capacity to understand the difference between fantasy and reality. Mm -hmm. You might have had some sexual experiences yourself. 
and you may be able to determine that the general population does not do A, B, and C of what they see in pornography. Mm -hmm. When you get 10, 11, 12 year olds accessing pornography as their sexual health education, so I'll give you an example, grade five, I might see them for two one-hour sessions. Mm -hmm. So they might watch 300 hours, I'm just, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. guessing. Um, how, how do we combat the accurate, up-to-date information with what they see? So if I say, use a condom, and then they see in pornography, nobody's using condoms. Yeah. Uh, STIs can damage your reproductive organs, but they don't see any harm being done. Yeah. Um, so one of the things I like to do with young people is to talk to them about the difference between pornography and real life. Like mm -hmm. nobody has hair in pornography in real life. They do. Yeah. Yeah. People have penises of variety of sizes, shapes and colors, just like vulvas. And mm -hmm. in real life, you know, like in pornography, they look the same. Mm -hmm. And so we have this really distorted vision of this unrealistic sexual experiences and uh, there have been recent studies, and, and they're pretty scary, that people are wanting more um, rougher, harmful sex mm -hmm. as an entry mm -hmm. to sexual activity. So it's yeah. leaving people pretty confused. And actually, young people are waiting longer to have sex these days um, because of that. I think because of the fear around, like, what am I supposed to do? Do I have to act like those people? Yeah, yeah. right. Um, I guess the other thing, too, like trying to find websites that actually will give you some really good information mm -hmm. is very difficult it's like a needle in a haystack right so if you go in and you look type in sex you're going to be led to pornography mm -hmm. and so yeah. you're not going to actually necessarily find the sites that are going to give you the information you yeah. need whether it's on gender sexual orientation consent sexual mm -hmm. harassment whatever topic that you're trying to find how to tell your parents that you're bisexual or, or whatever, whatever yeah. it leads them down the wrong path and then they actually never get to where we want sure, them to go yeah. which is yeah. educational sites that are actually not going to be damaging yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah that's a really good point do you think with um just like you speaking of porn and how much children rely not children necessarily but like young adults rely on porn as their like sexual education do you think that has like a very big effect on like the intimacy aspect of sex as well like do you think that's changed quite a bit since porn has become more of a yeah I think it's really challenging to be a teenager I have a 19 year old so I do have you know a pretty good understanding of like what what she's going through but I don't know if young people know what intimacy is yeah. I don't know um you know even the dating aspect has changed so much that people are not committing to you know um you know social media yeah, yeah. <laughs> like we are now a couple kind of even the language is used like we're having a thing or like mm -hmm. we're we're not yeah. boyfriend girlfriend but we're having sex together and spending a lot of time together yeah. but there's no emotional attachment which i find absurd that you could spend time with someone be sharing your body with someone but in pornography you don't see um in general i'm talking about sort of like the mainstream, like what you yeah, would see on yeah. Pornhub and RedTube yeah. and things like that. So um, degrading, dehumanizing, mm -hmm. objectifying yeah. sex. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to be like a, a poo-pooer of pornography. If people, if people like to watch pornography and they're over 18, if they watch it with a partner, there are studies that show it can enhance the sexual relationship. Mm -hmm. But if they're watching it without their partner knowing, it can cause a lot of body image and self-esteem and trust issues and things like that. And, mm -hmm. and most pornography is a solo solo experience you're yeah. watching it yeah. by yourself yeah. and in some way potentially feeling shameful about it mm -hmm. or yeah. I'm going to get caught yeah mm -hmm. so I really worry for the younger generation about like 
how how long will they be alone? Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that you know there is a delay in people getting married in age groups. There's a delay in people having children. There's less people having children, and how much of that ties back to pornography yeah. and lack of intimacy and feeling good about yourself? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Do you think we have um, enough research? Is is the internet hasn't been around for a terribly long time in the mm-hmm. grand scheme of things. Um, so do you think there's a lack of longit- longitudinal research um, on how these things can affect like long-term intimacy? And I think the research is out there. Yeah, um, yeah I actually, I have a, a workshop that I do um, for parents on how to talk to your kids about pornography. Mm-hmm. Um, like any other su- substance that is changing, altering mood, yep. uh, some people be- can become addicted to pornography. And there are, there are experts out there that would disagree mm-hmm. with that because it's not in the DSMR, DSM, sorry, DSM. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, when I talk to grade 11 and 12 boys who are having um, challenges with erectile dysfunction, that they can mm-hmm. get an erection by themselves or they can get an erection watching pornography, but when they're with a real life partner, mm-hmm. they're not able. Mm-hmm. That That's very worrisome to me. That's and, scary, you know, yeah. as a 17, 18 year old young man, that's, that's you know, worrisome. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the, the fix for that, if you, they were to see a sex therapist, would be to go off porn for 30 days because the body knows how to repair itself right Mm -hmm. but we train our brain to prefer what's on the real life screen than to our partners and there's an increase of you know marriages breaking down because someone's addicted to pornography and so like yeah it's it's a huge issue it creates this um very addictive loop Mm -hmm. and you know worst case scenario people are skipping school and uh, reenacting some of the things they see in pornography. I see that with children in, in part of my private practice is working with kids who have seen sexual behavior in pornography and then reenacted it with siblings yeah. or next door neighbors because kids only understand their world through play. Yeah. So we're seeing increased incidents in kindergarten, grade one, of kids saying, you know, will you put your mouth on my penis? Will you put your mouth on my vulva? And mm-hmm. like that is not... Um, normal mm-hmm. sexual behavior in kids. Yeah. No. Showing someone your penis at school in kindergarten is within the normal range, but yeah. asking someone to put, like, it's not even something that kids think about. No. So, yeah, I, I, I and, you know, definitely there is a place for pornography if it's consensual, um, you know, to each their own. Yeah. But I really believe for under 18, as as the, the brain is developing, that it, it really rewires the brain mm-hmm. to prefer violence over you know, um, being gentle with someone, yeah. things like that. So is there any, um, like you talked about kindergarten's grade ones, is there any, uh, is there any age too young to talk about like sexual education? Like I know there's been some controversy. Well, there is always mm-hmm. controversy, mm-hmm. right? So, um, well, I just update, I'm just, um, taking, I've hired a business coach. Uh, Isabel Mercier of Leap Zone. And so we're taking all my live presentations and putting Uh them on video for purchase online so it will be able to reach an international audience. And my focus is basically, you know, when can we teach kids how to brush their teeth? 
about two, right? Mm-hmm. Like you give them a toothbrush. So my thing is we need to start talking about sexual health education when two and up. Yeah. And we can even do it before that when we're changing diapers. Oh, I'm just going to wash your penis. I'm going to wash your vulva. Oh, that's a great bowel movement. Good job. Or, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever we want to say to kids that this is your body or these are mommy's breasts. We don't touch. So there's lots that we can do with the little people. Yeah. And just like anything else, we're not going to teach nutrition when people are in high school. We're yeah. not going to treat, say, hey, it's good to exercise. It's good for your body. Hey, meditation is a, is a good way of, you know, to, to ground yourself. We don't start those things in high school. Sometimes we do, but it's too late because <laughs> yeah. we yeah. need to teach earlier. So it just becomes a part of discussion. Yeah. So if they hurt themselves at school, they can say, well, uh, the ball hit my penis rather than my wee wee or my ding dong or yeah. my private parts yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And yet we would have teachers that would have like a visceral negative reaction to a kid mm-hmm. saying penis if they hurt themselves, right? Yeah. So yeah. We, we, we have a lot of work to do, but yeah. I, I think you, like your generation and the younger generations, you're more open to talking about this. So like we are headed in a good direction, but there's a lot of really kind of evil forces like yeah. pushing mm-hmm. back against us moving in a good direction, totally. which is mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why, that's why we're here is to try and normalize the language and conversation and get Um, things to a better place one thing i want to ask just with you talking about like just the younger ages and whatnot is like do you ever get backlash from parents on just the ages like that you're starting this education do like does that ever happen at all yeah i mean i I could probably write a book on uh the (laughs) mountains i've had to sprint uphill to convince people that this mandated curriculum is actually not optional yeah Um, the biggest, uh, controversy that I've ever had in my job is in grade two, three, I teach about the reproductive and digestive system as two separate. Mm -hmm. The digestive system isn't in the curriculum to like grade five, but Mm -hmm. uh, in BC anyways. Um, the reason I teach that is solely, uh, as a stepping stone for puberty and also as a sexual abuse prevention tool. Mm -hmm. So if a child doesn't know what sexual intercourse is, they don't know it's for adults. I teach grade two, three that it's for adults. I don't include teenagers just because it's easier for them to wrap until a kid goes, well, my (laughs) sister's pregnant and she's 16. (laughs) Sometimes that happens. But yeah, it's, um, it's, uh, dumbfounding to me that, uh, anybody would find the act of sexual intercourse, uh, something that we shouldn't ever talk to kids about. Yeah. I mean, that's how we all got here. The kids are super excited about it. But I've, I, I mean, I've had people twist what I teach around and say, well, Carrie's teaching the kids about anal intercourse in grade two. She's waving around this purple dildo. And I have a penis model and a vulva model, just mm-hmm. like you would have an eyeball model or a yeah. volcano model when you're yeah. teaching something because the kids need it. But the kids are so excited to say... I was born through the vagina. I was C-section and we talk about different types of families. And so the kids love it. And then they go home and sometimes are shamed for it. Mm -hmm. I've had principals uh, deny me access to the grade two threes. Um, I've had, you know, a school district tell me that that's not part of the curriculum, even though it falls under unsafe, hazardous and abusive situations. So uh, being an expert in this field there's lots of things I know nothing about but Mm -hmm. I know how to keep kids safer in the world and so for me it was just so now I teach in the schools that support me as an expert don't question I mean definitely Mm -hmm. question what Mm -hmm. I do but don't Mm -hmm. say well that's not part of the curriculum you're wrong why why would I teach this for the last 10 years and 
I left a school district because they basically said, we don't want you to teach that. And I said, well, I'm not going to be able to stay then because it, it's kind of like saying to a grade two, three teacher, this year, we don't want you to do math. Yeah. We want you to skip math. And then the, the teacher who has them the next year is mm -hmm. in a horrific position where these kids know grade one math yeah. and they're entering grade three. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, it's, you know, it's scary. Um, I find people often in the upper management positions, they haven't taught sexual health they mm -hmm. haven't taught for a long time they're really out of touch with the reality of what's happening in the world and to have people like that stand in my way um is 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 it shouldn't be surprising to me but it is still surprising that i run, run into yeah. so many yeah. roadblocks 95 percent of the people support the work that i do yeah but the five percent that don't are very loud yeah, yeah. very loud this. yeah just the reason i ask that is i work in childcare, and i see so often that like a child will say, even use the word penis and um, repeat that to their parents. And like the child is getting scolded for using the appropriate language for their body rather than saying like my pee pee, like you said, or like my wiener or something like that. It just blows my mind that like, even though we're still like trying to get on the right track that these parents are trying to like almost just cut that out because they don't want their, those children using that language, even though I feel it's the appropriate language at that age. So, well, I think, just... I think the thing is if parents knew, like there are three things that we can do with our little people to increase abuse resistance. Mm -hmm. One, we can call their private body parts what they are. Cause if mm -hmm. they ever need to go to the doctor, if they ever need to report sexual abuse to the mm -hmm. police, they need to know the terms. Yeah. Second thing is they need to be able to wipe their own bum as early as possible less access from other people and they need to be able to wash their own genitals. Mm -hmm. So if a parent knew that these tools actually would protect their child, I believe everybody, or at least most people would be like, yes, we, we want that. But mm -hmm. religion gets in the way and yeah. culture gets in the way and shame gets in the way and trauma gets in the way and the embarrassment around it. Mm -hmm. And you know, heaven forbid that your kid says, Oh mommy, my penis is itchy in the grocery store. But for me, I'm like, yes, that child is now less attractive to anybody in that store that might be inappropriate yeah. mm -hmm. because they know, oh, someone's talked to them at home. Someone's talked to them at school. This is not a kid I will target. Yeah. Yeah. It just shows that like they've received that education and that they're on the right track to, to following that education in their life, which is yep. really, really positive. So how does that sexual education and starting it young and educating throughout, how does that impact one's sexual health throughout their life? Well, what I, what I teach in my workshops is that, you know, an adult who was raised in a sex positive home is more likely to go to the doctor, mm -hmm. more likely to have a pap done, more likely to have an annual physical, more likely to have their testicles checked, more likely to have their prostate checked. So it just becomes like my, my vulva is the same as my shoulders. If I had an ingrown toenail, if I had an ear infection, I would go to the doctor. So many people don't want to go to the doctor when they have issues with their genitals because of the shame and embarrassment. And yet those parts are like super important, right? Like we yeah. pee and poo out of those parts. We experience pleasure with those parts. Like we have babies out of those parts. Yeah. We re reproduce with those parts. So my thing is like they are the most important parts and very integral to our overall physical, mental, mm -hmm. emotional, spiritual health, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Okay. So what in sexual education, what is one thing that you think is missed the most? The pleasure aspect, I would say. The pleasure. Yeah. I think, um, you know, I was, it, I was 35 years old 
when I found out the clitoris is shaped like a horseshoe. Yeah, I didn't know that. (laughs) News to me. You know? Um, And I I have a model now. Funny story. My niece uh, said to me, Auntie, what is this? Because it's a pink 3D model of the clitoris. I said, Uh what do you think it is? Because I... She's only four. I wasn't, I didn't know if I was going to get into that. And I said, she goes, it looks like a dinosaur. And I'm like, it's a clitorosaurus. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. But I think, you know, uh, a book recommendation that I have is uh, the clitoral truth. It's uh, a book, a thick book Mm -hmm. about the clitoris because the female reproductive anatomy is actually quite unique. And, um, I think everybody should know about that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you are going to be with someone who has a vulva or not. You may have children who have a vulva or whatever. You may you know, be in the helping profession. Pleasure aspect two um, is it's not really mentioned in the curriculum, yeah. right? Yeah. So a teacher who feels comfortable with it might say, sex feels good. And I, I, that's my, probably my most common question. Well, does sex feel good? And I say, well, what do you think? And the kids say, yes, because they see it in media and billboards and they mm-hmm. see their parents. And it's like, yes, this is like a crazy mystery that you get to figure out, you know, as, as you grow up. And of course, the pleasure first starts with yourself because you have to learn how your own body works to be able to communicate what you like and what you don't like with somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, I think something else that's missed is like talking about vaginal mucus, which I do in grade mm-hmm. seven and grade 10. Uh, I didn't learn until my mid-30s that uh, when you have clear elastic-like fluid f- coming from the vagina, that means that you have released an egg. So Thank if you follow you. the Justice method, for example, you can track uh, your vaginal mucus to avoid pregnancy. You don't mm-hmm. need to be on any birth control. I mean, yeah. obviously, I'd like people to always use condoms, but yeah. you know, knowing your body and responding to your body and knowing, hey... I can look at my vulva or my penis with a mirror to see all the look the nooks and crannies because if I'm with something and something changes down there, I would like to be able to report that into my doctor. Mm-hmm. I didn't have that lump, I, that bump, that open sore, or whatever. Well, what is that? And yeah. and and deal with it right away because I think people wait mm-hmm. and they wait long enough uh, and they you know they get prostate cancer in the 30s because they were bleeding from the rectum and mm-hmm. they didn't know that that was a sign. You know, so yeah, those are. I mean, and, and healthy relationships are really important too. And, you know, um, having people be able to access really up-to-date, accurate information within their own community. And of yeah. course, the further you get out of a larger city, mm-hmm. the less resources that you get, Absolutely. right? Yeah. So you have to be able to go online to find something. Like, where, where do I, if I find myself pregnant and I do not want to continue the pregnancy, where do I go to get an abortion? And is it easy to get an abortion? Or if I have a sexually transmitted infection, where do I go? And do my parents know that I'm going? And all, mm-hmm. all of these things, by the way, they don't. There's a doctor-patient confidentiality, 12 and up, that you can go and they're not going to call your parents. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So with that being said, you said you wanted to talk about um, STIs. And I think um, that's a good... I think that's a good thing to talk about because I know, like, just conversations when I was a teenager, like... um, And, yeah, even just hearing from a few teenage friends now, I guess they... Like, nobody wants to use condoms. Yeah right and like the importance of condoms or not i guess in long-term relationships versus just casual Mm -hmm. sex or let's Mm -hmm. talk about that i also think it's really important to add to just like the shame that is very like put onto stis nowadays too um i just remember in my 
first year of university, like there was a, there were quite a few students and friends that I knew who were like getting STIs just because of lack of use of condoms and whatnot. And if people were to find out, like there was always just like very negative language used and just a very negative aspect put on that. Um, so I don't know if you maybe want to talk about that too, mm-hmm. when you're addressing that and how we can avoid that potentially, but. Yeah, I mean, so the statistics are about 50% of youth before their 25th birthday will have an STI. So I agree with you. I don't know where the stigma comes from, mm-hmm. but there's certainly, there's definitely more stigma for girls when they get an STI than guys getting an STI. And what I say to my my students, my grade eights, is basically like you, you, you cannot prevent yourself from getting a cold from someone or a virus from someone. They mm-hmm. cough on the table, you put your hand on there, you touch your mouth and, you're in, and you get sick too. So the only way to um, avoid STIs, and not all of them, because some of them are just from skin to skin contact, is through using a condom. So yes, it is your responsibility to use a condom to avoid sexually transmitted infections, but um, there's a really easy way to learn about them and understand. So the viruses start with the letter H. So HPV, herpes, hepatitis. Did I say HIV? HIV. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, all of those. So if you if you are concerned that you have come into contact with any of those viruses, you basically you get uh, a blood test. And then all of those, um, you just go on medication. But you're on medication mm-hmm. for your lifetime. So we, we try to avoid the H's if we can. Yeah. Um, and then the bacterial infections like chlamydia, gonorrhea, syphilis which by the way are on the rise. And I did check my sheet actually. Gonorrhea has been increasing since the 1990s. <laughs> and, cl- and chlamydia since the 1990s and syphilis rates are up since 2010, particularly the, in the uh, men who have sex with men category. Okay. So for bacterial, you urinate in a cup, they test your urine and they give you an antibiotic that works for that. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the parasitical ones. You've got scabies and, and um, pubic lice, for example, or crabs, whatever people want to call it. Um, those ones can be passed through sharing a bed with someone, sharing a towel with someone. So towels are personal hygiene items. I tell my grade fives that, you know, all the way up. That's mm-hmm. not sharing. Um, and then you can get it from sharing clothes with someone. You can get it from sexual contact. It can transfer from the genitals to a beard. Like, you know, there's mm-hmm. lot, lots of stuff. Um, and then the yeast, so candida can be passed. And this is something that I found out later in life too. So if you're, if you're partnered with a person with a penis and you have a vagina, um, if you have a yeast infection, which is completely normal, the yeast, everybody has yeast in their vagina. Mm -hmm. If it gets, you know, overproduced, you can get, you know, itchiness and, you know, discharge change. Mm-hmm. But if you get treated and your partner with the, uh, um, who has a foreskin does not get treated, the yeast can develop underneath the foreskin, be passed back to the person. So this is like a chronic yeast infection. Yeah. And it wasn't, you know, and I think I was in my 20s when I heard that one. So th- those types of things we should be hearing from a young age. Yeah. I don't, you know, the stigma around condom usage, I, I don't, I don't understand it. In the last adolescent health survey, I think it's like two thirds of kids are wearing condoms the last time they had sex. And this is sort of 12 to 17 year olds, mm-hmm. uh, almost 40,000 youth in BC, the adolescent health survey. It's really interesting for me to be able to plan workshops. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
they are using condoms, um, but about two thirds of kids reported that they have used alcohol the last time they've had sex, right? So alcohol and condom usage and like all of that is, Mm -hmm. you know, impacted. But I mean, I've, I've heard, you know, girls tell me that, you know, some of the boys have said things like, you know, my penis is too big and cuts off my circulation and yeah. you know so I actually take a condom and put it on my forearm and I say well <laughs> any person that you're dating is not going to have a bigger penis in my forearm and just like shoes and pants and shirts like condoms come in different shapes and sizes if mm-hmm. one condom yeah. doesn't work for you then you try another yeah. and you try another and you spend the money or you go to the clinic and you get free ones and you look after yourself yeah. for me it's about it's about self-esteem it's about mm-hmm. I care enough about myself first and I care enough about you so that we're not passing anything back and forth I'm going to get tested I expect that you get tested I'm not even embarrassed to ask you to get tested because mm-hmm. this is this is me this is my my life yeah. And I think the the thing that a lot of people don't know is, you know, chlamydia and gonorrhea often have no symptoms. So the person believes that, yeah, I have nothing. The only way to test is through a urine test. Mm -hmm. And often, like at Options for Sexual Health in Nanaimo, when you come in for new birth control or whatever, they they will ask you, would you like an STI test just as a matter of fact? And many hospitals are doing that for Mm -hmm. HIV as well, you know, because you, you don't know. A lot of people have HIV who have it, don't know they have it, mm-hmm. and then unfortunately are passing it to other people. Mm-hmm. Although the HIV rates are going way down. Mm-hmm. We're, in a, we're in a pretty good, good place with our yeah. medication around that. Okay. So I, th- I think my thing is if you're ready to be sexually active, then the responsibilities that come with that include mm-hmm. using a condom. Yeah, mm-hmm. And I always talk to my students about dual protection. Find some birth control and then use condoms because condoms is the only way of preventing STI transmission. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just simple. Absolutely. Um, I have a question. Is bacterial vaginosis, is that an STI? Yes. And so, because yeah. I know like a lot of people yeah. in my circle have had that. Yeah. And is that kind of like a yeast infection? If you get it, can you like pass it? Uh, bacterial vaginosis, yeah, you can pass it on to your partner. Mm-hmm. Um, that one, I'm just thinking if, it, if that just occurs in the vagina though, let me think. I'm not 100% sure, but mm-hmm. it is a sexually transmitted infection and it is bacterial and okay. you will need to go on antibiotics mm-hmm. yeah. to deal with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, so where do you think sex ed is going or where do you think, what do you think it's going to look like with the internet and the next, like you said, um, with your business coach, you're um, making it more making it more yeah, international mm-hmm. and online mm-hmm. and like how do you think is there going to be a positive impact from the internet? Are we still going to be like stuck in this porn culture loop? Yeah, it's really hard to say. I mean, over the last 10 years of doing this, I definitely have seen uh, a more openness with the general population about getting their kids educated. But the still, there are still, you know, there are some people that will take on PAC positions like Parent mm-hmm. Advisory Council. Uh, to be able to control the budget Mm -hmm. and have a vote um, to vote out sexual health education. Um, I think until we have uh, universities who are offering teacher education, Mm -hmm. specifically physical health, physical education, because the phys ed teachers are now responsible for teaching, Mm -hmm. until we understand that and this should not be hard to understand that if you're in university mm-hmm. and you do not get a sexual health education course, and it should be 
a course, yeah. human sexuality. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how people are expected to teach that. Yeah. Yeah. So when we talk about the shame and the embarrassment and trauma, I mean, I've had many kindergarten teachers after I have taught their little people in tears, you know, I wish I had this when I was their age, you know, like because they yeah. have their own thing. And then to expect someone to teach it, mm-hmm. schools have to come up with models of shared responsibility. So mm-hmm. if a teacher says, I do not want to do sex ed, and they basically say that to me, it's like, you better come in because I don't want to do yeah. it. No one's making me do it. And then guess what? The kids don't get it. Yeah. yeah. So there has to be a a champion person in the school that says, you know what? I totally want to do the sex ed. So I'm going to swap off. I'll do, you do my art Mm -hmm. with my grade fours. I'll do your sex ed. Mm -hmm. And then other teachers, you know, that's how I started mentoring teachers. But I know after I left without my resources and without my support, they may not have actually continued. So, I mean, the internet is, uh, really positive in many ways and it's really frightening I went to two Mays ago I went to the Canadian Missing and Exploited Children's Conference in Winnipeg and Mm -hmm. I thought I had a pretty good handle on you know what's going on and no I did not and there were a couple of nights that I cried myself to sleep with the magnitude of the responsibility I feel to keep kids safer in the world Mm -hmm. so this is a community effort, right? We need yeah. the parents on board. We need the grandparents on board. We need teachers on board. We need nurses on board. Anyone that's going to come into contact with children, youth, and adults that, hey, I know you're coming in for like, um, you know, a broken elbow or whatever, but like, would you like an STI test yeah. like, just because you're here yeah. and, and really normalize it? And some of the hospitals are doing that and they have really good results because people are like, yeah, why not? Yeah, exactly. The stigma is mm-hmm. removed. And, you know, we need people to, in the higher up positions, when the new curriculum turns over, usually every 10 years, we need them to be aware of what's going on. We need the people who are selected for those committees to actually know what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, I know for me, this last curriculum that came out in 2016, they didn't have anything about private body parts. So they had know the parts of the body. And I was like, I just about lost my shit, yeah. basically. Don't know if I can say that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because if you're a PE teacher and it mm-hmm. says, learn the parts of your body, you're not including vulva. You're not including clitoris. You're not including yeah. breasts. You're, you're yeah. doing like the muscle groups and things like that. And so mm-hmm. I wrote letters madly and I, you know, mm-hmm. contacted a union that I don't even belong to in Nanaimo, the NDTA. Yeah. And I talked to their president. It's like... And the good news is it was added because I basically said, you will be responsible for increased sexual abuse of children in BC if you leave this out. This is a 10-year thing. So a lot more awareness. Everybody's got to be on board with this, Mm -hmm. particularly around the the exploitation online of little people. Like, stop taking pictures of your children Mm -hmm. in their bathing suits, going pee, you know, pooping on the potty the first time because unfortunately there are people that find that sexually arousing. Like... So we have to stop doing that. It's not, we're not living in the day where you can have a little naked picture of your child on your wall anymore because you never know who's in your home taking a picture of that. Like it's, it's crazy, but we just have to kind of be with reality here. Reality Mm -hmm. is right now our kids are unsafe. That is the bottom line. And until people are willing to say, you know, my child is more at risk from the people that know and love them than a stranger, then we're not moving in any good direction here because stranger, like stranger stranger sexual abuse is 2%. Yeah. Yeah. It's always some, well, not always, but 85 to 95% of the time is someone the child knows well. Yeah. Yeah. They have to have access. They have to have trust. They have to Mm -hmm. have alone time with that person. Yeah. 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 It's a scary thing too, that I don't think a lot of parents realize until they are like introduced to like the education like this. Like even though 
I also don't think that parents realize that that is part of like sexual education too. I feel like it's just something mm-hmm. that they avoid mm-hmm. um, because they're like scared of the truth maybe, but I just, yeah, I feel like they avoid it because they don't want to hear it, which is. Yeah. Nice I think sexual well. education is so broad. Talking about families, gender identity, sexual identity, body parts. Like it's so you can't, you said you went into a class two times for an hour like mm-hmm. you can't cover all that in yeah. two hours well two and hours, even when I teach in schools it's it's incredible to, to for some people to think that I'm covering all of the curriculum yeah. mm-hmm. so I am the catalyst for conversation I'm the door opener for communication yeah. mm-hmm. and questions and things but if if people think that what I'm doing is going to cover what the kids need, I mean, that's why we have parent workshops yeah. and teacher yeah. professional development. And, and I wrote my three books so that mm-hmm. people can have access to something that basically you just turn page for page and it gives you the language of what to say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is what you do. Here's an activity. Do this as a family. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So are there any resources for... Young people, teens, us in our 20s, -hmm. parents that you can share. Sure. I bet laugh. Okay, let's go. So I think, well, I I definitely go to is optionsforsexualhealth.org. They have everything that you could possibly need about any other topics. And they have a really great resource line. So Mm 1-800-SEX-SENS, S-E-N-S. You can call uh, Monday to Friday, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., a public health nurse or someone like me will answer the phone. You can say, hey, you know, I had unprotected sex last night. I'm worried, you know, about pregnancy. Um, where is the nearest place I can get plan B? Mm-hmm. And then they will just go, okay, well, what city you're from? Type it in. Yeah. Okay, okay, you live here. Great. Here's your nearest pharmacy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's over the counter. Yeah. Um, other ones uh, for your age group, particularly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even know how to pronounce it. It's omgyes.com. Omg yes. Yes, and so it is women being interviewed on self pleasuring and how their body works and what kind of sex they like and how they Amazing. like it wow. and uh, yeah, it's pretty and it's reasonable. I think it was like sixty something dollars for a two year membership. So okay. oh, I, yeah. I have it, so I can say that's really good. Yeah. yeah. Um, another one is sex and you like just the letter u.ca mm-hmm. um, that's probably one of my favorite websites they have like videos and all sorts of different stuff mm-hmm. scarletine.com okay. is another one um, and a book that I found uh, last year is called heads up it's by mm-hmm. Dr. Tisha Morgan and it basically is the how-to's of oral sex wow cool and I think that would be a great read for mm-hmm. anyone that wants to participate in that because of course what we see in pornography is usually violent and yeah. degrading and yeah. why is that person choking and you know why yeah. why is her mascara running and not that that wouldn't happen in real life but you know <laughs> yeah it's a little bit dr- overly dramatic yeah. uh-huh. um then some youtube channels so ASAP Science, A-S-A-P Science on YouTube is really great. They have mm-hmm. videos on like every possible thing. And then Sexplanations oh. is another one on YouTube. Nice. Then for kids and high school students, amaze.org is probably, they won an Amaze. award for their, yeah. uh, they, they have videos on absolutely everything. Mm-hmm. And then of course for our uh, trans um, students mm-hmm. and, and young adults, Trans Care BC 
if you oh. need to learn about, you know, doctors or, um, you know, where you can get top surgery mm-hmm. done and mm-hmm. things like that, they're mm-hmm. like the best place to go. And that's only awesome. been around for the last probably like four or five years. Yeah. So it's really the wait lists are shorter and people yeah. are yeah. able to get what they need. That's awesome. So th- I, those are my yeah. top picks, I would say. I think yeah. even from, for me, like I... I haven't even heard of like half these things, oh, yeah, but I feel I like they'd be so beneficial just for like my learning and yeah. just and passing I, that information on to other people, which is awesome. Yeah. Super Lacey helpful. Green too. She's pretty good, I mm-hmm. think. Yeah. I love her videos. Lacey, a couple of years ago, she had a little bit of a fall because she, she's portrays herself as a solid feminist, but then mm-hmm. she was like mm-hmm. dating somebody that's anti-feminist. Yeah. So it, it caused oh, a lot of yeah. turmoil. But yeah. having said that, you know, I think she's mid twenties. Mm-hmm. Um, we all, you know, have a different life path. Yeah. <laughs> I think her videos are very solid yeah, and yeah. I used to use many of them. And mm-hmm. just because of that, I didn't, because students are so aware nowadays, I didn't yeah. want to show yeah. a video yeah. like, well, Lacey Green, but mm-hmm. yes, she has, she, and she has a huge following too. Yeah. Absolutely. Huge. So. And they're really accessible and absolutely you know, she the language the and she's yeah. young and easygoing and mm-hmm. yeah. Awesome. Is there anything else you wanted to cover while we're here? Any topics we missed? Any fun facts you want to add in there? (laughs) Fun facts. Um, I guess what I would want to say is just like people often say, well, how many times you're having sex? It seems to be like a a question that a lot of people ask each other. Yeah. What are your notches? How many notches do you have? What's your number? What's your body count? Yeah. What's your body count? Yeah. 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 And I think, like, for me, body count would be, like, dead bodies. So it's, yeah. like, oh, right. it's like, I don't know. Um, I think what I would want people to go for is more quality than quantity. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's not about how many times a week, but it's the, the intimacy that's shared during the week of holding hands and yeah. spending time together and talking and hugging and kissing and caressing. All of those things, like, to me, all of that is sex. I know... Mm-hmm. A lot of people focus on, you know, penis, vagina sex or mm-hmm. make assumptions that, you know, people who are homosexual men only have anal sex, which many of them don't, right? Yeah. Everybody's sexual preferences is so wide and so varied that we, you know, we would be doing a disservice to say, well, all people do this if they're this. Like, it, mm-hmm. it, it just ha- doesn't happen. Yeah. So okay. I just say, you know, educate yourself, get gather information, I really do believe the body is a sacred temple. I do believe that we should share our bodies only with people that are going to honor our sacred spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we don't talk about that enough. Yeah, um, absolutely. It, it's, it hurts my heart when I hear young people say, well, I'm just going to do it because I just want to get it over with because everyone talks about it. And, yeah. and then it ends up being this like really disappointing encounter because it it isn't like the notebook yeah Yeah. it isn't like you know these lovely romances because unfortunately boys who are uneducated if they're if they're with a girl um they're going to be copying some of the things they're seeing in pornography and there will be no pleasure there could even be harm for the girl so having a, a negative harmful experience like sort of more spiritually than physically i think hurts people, yeah. hurts our communities and, and uh, yeah, leaves sure. people feeling pretty pr- pretty dark about sexuality yeah. Yeah. in general. Absolutely. Yeah, well, Carrie, this was amazing. Um, where can people find you? Are you on socials? Yeah. Get mouthy about yourself. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I will. Um, well, my website right now is powerupworkshops.ca. Okay. Okay. Um, that's going to be changing a little bit. 
Um, and I have an Instagram account. I'm on Twitter. I don't use it very much, I have yeah. to confess, but I, I, I am a, a very solid Facebook person. Oh, so okay. if people follow me under Carrie Isham, K-E-R-I-I-S-H-A-M, um, I do post a lot of articles and videos and, and awesome. different things on there just to keep yeah. people updated. Because sure. it, it's, it's a full-time job mm-hmm. to keep updated yeah. in this yeah. field because yeah. things are changing all the time. And Absolutely. I kind of go like, Preschool to seniors. Yeah. So you got a, a, a wide range. Wide, wide range. Yeah. Wide range. But yeah, thanks so much for having me today. Yeah, we're, we're so happy we're you could so be here. Came, yeah. All right, guys, follow us on socials and listen on Apple Mute Podcasts, <laughs> Spotify, <laughs> like, rate, review. We so appreciate it. And we'll chat next time. Bye. Bye.